previously on episode 13 of Lick the Plate. It all started on a drunken Friday night. We were sitting at home. I was on my third or fourth Disarano in Coke. Bruce was halfway through a bottle of... A bottle of red wine. (laughs) And we were both watching MasterChef Australia and really hungry, and we both craved Indian food. And then we were just like, can't bother to cook anything. Both sets of parents lived really far away. We are just like, we'll order an Indian takeaway. And when it arrived, it was the saddest looking Indian takeaway. And to this day, I can still hear that plastic box as I'm opening the lid. And there's this very long piece of coriander that's just like stuck to the top of that <laughs> lid. And you're just like, no. Oh, my God. Is this what people uh, think of us as a culture? And those from the culture, is this what you think is possible? Growing up, our parents, well, our mothers, used to bring the best of British and Indian cuisine together through us by cooking. So thinking about those um, different dishes our parents made, I just looked at Bruce and I was just like, did your mom ever experiment with drinks? So it was just literally, how could we showcase the best of being first-generation British Indians Mm. and, more importantly, showing Punjab, which is in northern India? So that's all we wanted to do. It's like, I wanted to open my front door and say, this is what authentic Indian flavours are and this is our twist on it because... So it's about creating your own identity and the world's a much smaller place now. So it's about celebrating that melting pot. So that's, yeah, how it all started. Welcome back to Lick the Plate. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. Last time we chatted with Paramjit and Bruce Nagra, the co-founders of the brand Crazy Gin, and got deep into the nooks and crannies of how they started their company. This time we shift from the business to the personal, peeking more into the couple's cultural backgrounds and experiences, and we highlight their fond memories and favorite tastes of Punjabi cuisine. So you're both, are you both from Wolverhampton? I've travelled all over the place. So I was born in West Bromwich, which is in the West Midlands still, okay. just outside of Birmingham. Then when I was about seven or eight, we moved to Coventry, which is still in the West Midlands. And then my mum got remarried. And then we moved to Kent in Gravesend. And then I moved out um, towards um, Uxbridge area because I went to Brunel University. Mm-hmm. And then when I met Bruce, we moved to I moved to... Um, South Norwood. And, and myself, yeah, I was born and brought up in Wolverhampton. Okay. So um, it was always kind of like, uh, Wolverhampton is like a real big Punjabi Sikh community. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of like one of the first places that a lot of uh, Sikhs who came to the UK, because there's a lot of factories, foundries. So there's a lot of families that were together. So we kind of came from like, my, my, my immediate family is not very large, but because you kind of have, first cousins and neighbours who were pretty much like, like family. It was just like one big community. Um, so I grew up in Wolverhampton. Uh, I, I did my degree in, uh, in locally as well. And then I went, I got to spend a year in uh, Germany working for Hewlett Packard, which mm. was fine. Don't know how I winged that one. I think it's just mainly talking. Um, and then um, in 2006, I kind of had enough because the it wasn't like that drive for people to kind of explore outside the midlands and what you find from the midlands a lot come towards london because you want that little push something different and 
try to kind of find something more exciting to do. So I moved to London in 2006. Uh, so I moved in with my brother in uh, Wandsworth. And then uh, he got married and then I ended up buying a place over in South Norwood okay. in Croydon. And then met Paramjit and then we got married and lived in in South Norwood till 2017 before moving back. Okay. I want you to transport us to somewhere in your childhood. I'll let you pick childhood up until uh, teenage years. And I want you to transport us back to the dining table. And what was served? Who was there? What are flavors that you remember from back then? And just give us a peek into that part of your life. Do you want to go first? Yeah. As soon as you said that, I started thinking back to summer holidays. Mm -hmm. So summer holidays, well, none of us would really go abroad. It would be a case of we go around to one of our cousins, whether they were living in Slough or wherever it was, or they would come to us. So you'd have like, a three bed, a three bed mid uh, semi detached house, like really small, and there was like three families. So there'd be my grandparents, uh, there'd be my 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 mom, dad, me, and my brother, and then my uncle and my aunt, all living in a three bed house. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, you'd have to share. Like going really back in the early eighties, it'd be like one fridge to two or three houses. Wow, and one phone. Because everyone was working in the factory, so you you'd always get a phone call from India, and it was always, and Pam, you'll probably know this as well from her side. There'd be a phone call from India, and they said we'll call back in ten minutes. So mm. someone would have to run down mm-hmm. four or five <laughs> houses to go grab them quickly to get here. The phone calls come in, and you sit. Um, and one of the things that we always used to happen on the dining table is because all the kids are in the house, my cousins and everything, we'd obviously start every morning with a full Indian English. <laughs> Ooh, what is that? Oh my goodness. So it's a much better version of an English breakfast. So you'd start off with your <laughs> eggs, however you want them, whether it's scrambled, fried, or omelette. You would then have your your your, your bread uh, as a toast, or however you want it, and then you'd have your baked beans, which had to be spiced. You couldn't. And I know there's a certain big chain out there that talks about the spicy baked beans. They did not invent it. Tell <laughs> uh, uh, the truth. <laughs> every house has its own recipe. Every house will probably say they've got the best. And you'd have all the spices in there. Obviously, chilies in there and everything might really amp up the spice. Um, and then you'd have this eclectic collection of, you might have sausages. You'd always have spam. Spam was always on hand in, in every household we knew. Whether it was uh, later put into little dry Indian dishes like a sabji or something creative or even sargon spam none of this sagaloo stuff it was sargon spam put into there but we'd have like little fritters of spam you'd have <laughs> you have your sausages fish fingers and just this eclectic and, and also a, a proper cup of tea Indian cup of tea so a cup of jar as jar as we would call it and it was just that fun element and, and it's like never ending <laughs> it just keep coming until someone explodes um <laughs> And then later in the day, it would just always turn into, you'd always be getting a parotta, which is like a, a stuffed chapati. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rich. Uh, then we'd have things like later in the evening. It'd just be like a collection, um, like a, it's almost like what people would turn a sharing platter. That's just how your house was. It yeah. wasn't sharing. That's the food that's coming. So you kind of pick and choose. And it most of the time, the only meat it would be uh, chicken. Okay. Because it's the affordable one. Yeah. If guests are coming into special, then you might get some lamb on the bone. 
Uh, but again, kids, <laughs> yeah, kids and women to the back of the queue is mainly for the guys. Things have changed now. I yeah. would like to add. Okay, good. <laughs> and there was a lot of alcohol for the for the men of the family. Okay, especially on the weekends because that was the time off from the foundries. And then they'll just drink. So it's kind of like always noisy, lots of sm- uh, smells of like the, the torka, as we would call it, being cooked, which is the base. So there's always someone fresh uh, vegetables being cut. Uh, they were grown in the garden because a lot of uh, my family are Sikh and so uh, they're all farmers. Okay. So when they came to the UK, especially the Midlands, it's landlocked, but they don't have very long old school gardens and they were like perfectly kind of created uh, to have like the most amazing vegetables that are always seasonal. So they never really used to go to the shops that much, only to get the spices. Maybe you need chicken or meat or some sort of a protein. But generally, the, the yogurt was made at home. The milkman would do the flo- uh, they'd come along and they'd drop off all the milk and everything to make their own yogurt. So it's very much everything's like what you'd call sustainable now yeah. or organic. That's what they will have. So, sorry, that's a lot, but that's kind of like all the smells. There's just so much that it's kind of like thinking back, I can actually smell everything and taste things. What's one prominent smell that comes to mind quickly? Oh, because there's a lot of boys in the family, everything had to be cooked quick. So it's when turmeric gets burnt. Okay. <laughs> it's Ooh. not pleasant. It's not pleasant. <laughs> it it, it kind of gets quite bitter. Mm. And it's like this this aroma that just does not get out of your clothes, your hair, anything. Even when you think that you've showered or we've had a bath and everything. It was always that kind of... There's always turmeric is the key one and onions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not smelling good. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't sell that one, did I? <laughs> How about you, Paramedic? Um, It was just me and my mum up until I was the age of 15. So my mum came over when she was really young and she didn't know how to make English food. So a lot of the food that we ate at home, unless it was fish fingers or waffles or anything like that from the freezer, it was all Indian home-cooked food. So the things that come to mind is... um, and I don't know the English name for this, um, masaladi dal. So it's like a yellow dal and it's my absolute favourite comfort food even mm. to this day. It's just, I guess you, I would liken it to a soup for the Western palate. It's just so, so comforting. I think the closest I know it being called in Indian restaurants is tarka dal. No, but that sometimes is the brown dal as well. They no, call but the tarka dal is typically that, but it's so not the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. so not the same. And the other dish I remember is sarg, but not sarg as in a few. I get really offended when I turn on my laptop and someone's got a new a sarg recipe and it's a couple of bits of wilted spinach and it's like, there's sarg. I'm like, no. So there there would be um, mithe, which is fenugreek. There would be mustards. There would be cabbage. There would be broccoli. There would be mm. sprouts. I've probably missed half the dish. Mum would put it all in there and it would take about eight, nine hours. She'd just slowly just keep cooking it and cooking it and cooking it. And at the end, you'd have this, again, it's really rich and deep. And then dish and then we'd have that sometimes we'd have a lot of broth growing up which is the um a plain is what i used to like when i was really little or makidi roti which a lot of people would call yellow roti which is made with cornmeal flour and there's this crispy bit and then you'd get the little charred bits on there with lots of butter which would just add to it and now that i'm older i'd love that with a little bit of um a jar pickle but has to be for me lemon 
pickle. And now I'm just talking about that masradi dal. Uh-huh. So my one of my comfort dishes now is we call it andeadi bhaji, which is scrambled eggs, but you've spiced them up. So you've got like a proper so for that for in that I'd put butter, onions, garlic, ginger, fenugreek, all the spices. And then I just mix that with the eggs. I'd have that with a little bit of the masradi dal and my mum's mint chutney homemade, which I it is. I want all of this. Yeah. Do you know what I'm thinking? I want some. And with some really nicely um pickled red onions that just mm. See, I'm all about spicing up your eggs. <laughs> oh, yes. Once you've had spiced eggs, it's hard to eat anything that's really not. <laughs> so when I go back, even now, to my mom's, Bruce will laugh at me because I really miss her. Co- I think my mom is a tremendous She's cook. very good. She's mm. very good. I, even for breakfast, I, I, I'd get, I'd go, I'd sometimes I'll have a chapati at nine o'clock in the morning because I'm just like, I just want that comfort. Or I will just make some toast and I'll have it with her spicy beans and those spicy eggs and just yeah that you don't yeah. need a lot you just need a few dishes that pack a punch of flavor yeah i want to be there i want to be both both places <laughs> <laughs> right now right now one of my favorite things to eat is dal but i mean you know i'm learning that there's so many different oh, preparations yes. and flavor profiles of this dish and you know, combinations <laughs> The 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 handy dandy lentil is just <laughs> like it it can take anything and oh can I add one more dish yeah of course you for can for sweetness was semia which yes. is vermicelli but you cook it so you you would get some um, butter or ghee you would just brown them off and then you add milk so it's like a rice pudding but not with rice it's with vermicelli and they call it semia and my son absolutely absolutely loves it as well it it, it is delicious. If you had to describe Punjabi flavors um, compared to any other area in India, what what makes Punjabi flavors stand out unique? I'd probably say they pack a punch of mm. like, like it's a real bold flavor, mm. but balanced. I think they're more tomato based as well. Like in the south, like there's a lot of coconut or fish, but mm. there, there's Curry lots of as well. yeah. yeah. So in- there's a lot of um, if you're a baptized Sikh, you're vegetarian, so lots of hearty dals and vegetables. And that torka is, it's that torka, I think, that for me is what makes that Punjabi dish. And tomato, great, like the English word would be gravy, like tomato based. Okay. But I think a real iconic thing about Punjabi food is if you take the religion element out and you think of the cultural side, it's all tandoori, it's just like tandoori food. Okay. So anything in a tandoor, I think a tandoor is the greatest piece of cooking equipment ever mm. it's barbecue yeah, if you think about it and but when you get an, uh, when you get a fresh properly cooked naan bread my preference is not with a gas tandoor with a cold tandoor it's, I, I liken it to when you talk to chefs and they have a gas bar- you ask them gas barbecue or okay. coal yeah you know which way they're going. Yeah. <laughs> and so even if you have like a, 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 a chapati in that a naan bread chicken fish it's just got just these Yes. That's iconically. So puture is a deep fried um, bread mm-hmm. and shole are chickpeas and the combination of the two and you can have some chutneys and those sprinkle of those onions and I'm a big fan of coriander. Me too. So much yeah. so when yeah. we got married, I, I didn't realise how much I banged on about it that the caterer, when we were sitting at the table, he just brought a big bowl of coriander because for me, <laughs> I needed every single dish seasoned with that fresh coriander. I just think it just 
elevates it. Yeah, I love <laughs> coriander. <laughs> what do you think about the people who absolutely despise it? So now that I understand that scientifically, for some people, it tastes like soap. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's fine because if it tastes like soap, I don't think I, I would have it. But I'm okay. so glad it doesn't taste like soap. Yeah, me too. I can have it on anything too. I... So the beans, the the spicy eggs, oh, yeah. it's going on everything. Yeah, coriander in abundance. Oh. <laughs> so you mentioned several times torka. Mm. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, yeah. yes. What is that? You you said base, but what is it made up of? So the one that they all differ, but the one that I have on my, uh, that I, I cook with. So you start off with an oil or a butter, mm-hmm. and then I would put in some um Curry uh, bay leaves, sorry, not curry leaves, bay leaves. I'd add in some cumin and then some minced garlic, some mm. onions. And once that really slowly cooked, because you want them to be really sweet and not burnt, and they, just as they start to caramelize, I would then add in my ginger, I would add in my tin tomatoes, or you can add fresh tomatoes into, in, into there, and chilies. Then I cook that for a little bit longer, and then I'd add in my spices, so turmeric and paprika and salt and black pepper, um, garam masala. I'd add in some fenugreek, some dry fenugreek, as well as fresh fenugreek as well. And then to that, you can either add vegetables or if your dal's been simmering away set in a separate pot or some meat and then bring it all together and then right at the end the thunia the coriander goes on and then yeah that 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 it's just that that's just like for me in the way we've been brought it that's just the core of all the dishes that we make but if you're having like paneer i wouldn't use butter i'd use oil to make matarka and then also it depends on the dish so if I'm making a dal I'll blitz the onions because I want a really nice rich gravy but if I'm making um, let's say I'm making chicken or lamb I'll, I'll cut it coarse but if I'm making paneer it'll be cut lengthways it's just the things that you just pick up as you're growing up yeah. from your from your mum who's picked it up from her mum and oh. then that just goes back and I think the funny thing is that was just instinctive to them mm-hmm. but if you think uh, how you speak to chefs or uh, people around the f- hospitality to talk about texture mm-hmm. that's essentially what it was actually yeah. yes yes. And the texture because it's not always about just the the, the flavour flavour it's about texture uh, the, the, the heat and the hot cold so we'll have a lot of yoghurt with our food mm-hmm. so you get the hot cold element uh, so I think they did it instinctively, but now when people do research it, they go, "Oh, it's all about texture." It's all, and they start using words, and our parents are just like, "It's just how we it's were taught to do it. It, it, just, it tastes better." <laughs> so I want to play a game with you. Oh, <laughs> and this is my game that I call Diner's Choice. But we're going to make it the gin edition, okay? So basically, I'm going to give you a pair of things to choose, one or the other. All right? You ready? Yeah. So we'll start with cocktails. Would you prefer a classic G&T or a classic gimlet? G&T for me. Mm-hmm. I'd go with gin tonic, G&T. Why? I think I like the flavours of the gin. It's refreshing and light. I'm just thinking about the ones that that I've that I've had. It's simple. It's simple, but it's deceiving because on the depth of the gin, that's where you're going to get everything coming through for me. So I'm going to go with the classic gin and tonic. Mm-hmm. 
for me, it's about when you think about not just with our gin, it's about it's a mood. So what mood are you in? Do you want something light, refreshing, citrusy? Do you want something slightly sweeter notes? Do you want something a bit more herbal? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of what's, what's my mood. And I feel like gin's such an easy way because if you've got uh, a variety of gins in terms of just the profile, just add tonic to it. <laughs> it's like, oh, there it we works. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, classic gin martini or dirty martini? Going towards the classic route again. Classic uh, yeah, for me. I, I just like a classic boozy, nice. <laughs> I'm like not gin. too good with martinis, though. I, 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 I think I've since I've started um, working in the business. I think I drink, I drink less, but drink better. But you give me one or two martinis, I, I'm going to have uh -oh. a very. I, I'm yeah. I'm a bit of a. I'm a bit of a lightweight. <laughs> I'll enjoy it, but I couldn't. I couldn't go through. But we have many... made some killer dirty martinis with the lusty gin, really, it, because. Because when it's got butter in there, mm. uh, when you chill it down or leave it in the freezer, the butter starts to thicken up. So it becomes crazy smooth as you're sipping it, and which is what you want from a martini. You want nice and smooth, but yeah. But I'd still go with the classic. See, I love it dirty. Like extra dirty oh. <laughs> i don't i maybe i should just have a jar of olive juice instead <laughs> <laughs> we get this mood as well isn't it he's like yeah, yeah. I feel like a martini. <laughs> when i first tried my very first classic martini i thought this is just alcohol my. your body language just <laughs> says it yeah, yeah, or yeah, we yeah. felt like that oh they make you know it looks so elegant really elegant it packs a punch i'm like no no, no i need things in this <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> Just, it, you know, the worst part is we, we we used to have little tastings when people come into the bar and they'd always have yeah i'll have a, a martini i'm thinking are you used to a martini because mm -hmm. in their mind always thinking like um a marti uh, espresso martini or yeah. something i don't know this is just straight up booze and they'd sit there and the thing is they would nurse it which is the worst thing in the world because the warmer it's getting, the harder it is to drink. <laughs> and you just see the look on their faces and they'll be like, oh, Then no. ego kicks in because now they're sitting and they're thinking, I've got to save face and I've got to drink this. Yeah. But yeah. A Negroni or a Singapore sling? I think I want to go for a Singapore sling. because Oh, do you know what? I've got a Negroni I haven't tasted sitting at the fridge. Um, a shout out to Bird at the Bar has made with the Punjabi chai gin. She's made a um, Negroni that I haven't tried. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I should have, if I could have, I should have brought a selection of drinks and we should have just tasted them and then said this Part one or three. that one. Well, <laughs> Part three, let's do this. I don't Come know how great room. of a recording that would be <laughs> about 30 minutes in because I've been to gin tastings and <laughs> They're a lot of fun. <laughs> in, in our minds, it'd be the greatest episode ever. I'm not sure everyone else. I mean, listen. I'll if bring you're the food in, as well. I will definitely come. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a full Indian English. Food and drink goes together. Yeah, that's what it's about. Okay, let's make it happen then. Let's make that happen. Sorry, I'll, we I'll digress. Come up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Negroni or Singapore sling for you? I'd go in a Negroni. But I remember when we first got into uh, the gin, the, the Negroni I found quite bitter. Mm. But then when you start playing around with it, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways that you can push it. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go Negroni. That's my favorite cocktail across the board. Ah. It's, yeah. But I, it's not the only thing I drink, but I can only seem to drink Negronis past 6 p.m. Again, it's a mood thing. It's something about the color and the 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 depth 
of its bitterness. I'm like, this does not feel like a daytime drink. How does it make you feel? Because your posture and your body language, your tone is all changing. It makes me feel sexy. Yeah. It makes me feel sophisticated, but not, but with an edge. I guess it's the bitterness of it. And it, again, that color, that deep yeah. or, reddish, orange, I don't know what that is, but it's something that evokes fire for me. And it just makes me just, yeah. Negroni <laughs> <laughs> for me. <laughs> Tom Collins or Gin Fizz? Oh, Gin Fizz. Mm-hmm. Gin Fizz. Don't get the opportunity to have many Gin Fizzes. <laughs> Tom Collins. Oh, good. So we're going to pivot to garnishes now. Ooh. Would you prefer, well, I guess, garnishes slash flavor additions? We'll take it that way. So, strawberry or rhubarb? I, I, I'm straight up strawberry. I just love strawberries. Rhubarb, it, it depends on my side because sometimes it could be quite bitter and sour. Yeah, mm. I, I'm straight up strawberries. Do you know, this is, should be so easy and it's not because I, my initial thought was strawberry, but then I thought, depends which strawberry, because sometimes you go and pick strawberries <laughs> and they taste of nothing. And then sometimes you get pay a little bit extra and you're like, now that is what a strawberry is supposed to taste <laughs> like. But then rhubarb can be tart, but then has it been macerated? I'm just thinking and has some sweeter elements coming out because then I'm talking. You can see she's a detailed person. I, I am love a detailed person. <laughs> Lavender or rosemary? Rosemary for me. Lavender, I always use to relax. Mm -hmm. So it's always that, yeah, I don't think I could. I've never had. No, I'm going to go with rosemary, savory, Mm -hmm. savory notes coming through for me. I'm I'm not a um, kind of like floral person at all. I find it strange in the drink and food at times. So I'd go rosemary. Mm -hmm. I I just feel like lavender, it's... It feels like you're in the field and everything, which is great for that moment. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm drinking a cocktail, it just doesn't, it, 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 yeah, I'd go with rosemary. Do you know what, saying that, I have had a few drinks with lavender, but I just don't remember them having that beautiful aroma. I, mm. Yeah, so I, I, see, I'm going to make a note of these and then go and... <laughs> Go and experiment. I, yes. I think we make them next time that yeah. we meet up yeah. and then we can decide. Yeah. I'll, I'll email this over. <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon sticks or star anise? Cinnamon sticks. I don't mind star anise. Like, yeah. Because it packs a little bit more of a punch. Mm. Is star anise like really an acquired taste? I don't think I've had it enough that I know of. That's the reason I chose cinnamon sticks. I'm more familiar with cinnamon sticks. Mm. Um, we distill them in our chai gin as well. Yeah. So that, so it's there. Star anise, I've only ever had it if it's been blitzed into a spice mix or something. So I don't, just like you, I don't think I've ever had a, I, I've not, I've not experimented with star anise enough. For me, it evokes back to sometimes when we have um, desserts, mm-hmm. especially Indian desserts, you kind of get that real kind of kick of the aroma so i like that sometimes with cinnamon uh yeah i've got a bit of love hate with cinnamon Interesting. <laughs> yes what does cinnamon do to you they <laughs> i think it's it's just the flavor so like uh, although having said that uh, star anise has like the powerful potent flavor it's just cinnamon i sometimes find it's overdone and there's too much of it 
And there's no way in the world I'd ever do that cinnamon challenge of the teaspoons. In the oh, mouth. that's just foolish. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's a waste of good I cinnamon. I actually put cinnamon in my tea every single morning, but I, I, I prefer having it as a stick as opposed to the, the powder to come through. I have two jars of cinnamon sticks that I bought because I thought I was going to use them in, and make a mulled wine or something and never did it. And now I have use for my cinnamon sticks oh. by you just saying that. Oh, like, What am yes. I going to do with these cinnamon sticks? Yeah. Quitting the tea. I will send you my mom's recipe while my grandmother's, well, recipe yeah. for tea. Yeah. And then you can have a play. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Juniper berries or peppercorns? I'm going to say peppercorns just because I haven't experimented, other than in the gin, I haven't experimented with juniper berries as much as I have with peppercorns. Mm. I'd say juniper because when I'm distilling and you just smell, it's, it's something really quite comforting about distilled juniper berries and the aroma of juniper berries when you're around gin. Mm. It, it's kind of like quite comforting, I find. <laughs> Maybe it's the alcohol kicking in. But, uh, <laughs> I'll probably go with Jupiter because I'm so used to it and uh, it feels quite comforting. I feel like I'm in my space. <laughs> oh, good. And last one, basil or thyme? Oh, thyme. Thyme. Yes. I, I, I like, yeah, thyme. The only time I used to really like basil, basil, I'm, or basil, <laughs> basil as, yes. as we say, I was going to say, I'm not, how am I saying this? But something over the last, I don't know if it was shortly after having Zorro, my son, my things I used to like, my flavour profiles have changed a little bit. So time. I'd go, I'd go with basil all mm. day long because I just love it in food. Mm-hmm. And also, it's we actually use it as a signature garnish for the Lusty Gin. Okay. So for me, it's that kind of like aniseed note that you get that's... It's quite comfy because I like a lot of Italian food. It's used a lot in Indian food. So I feel I feel I'll go with that. The See, time just reminds me of like a roast dinner kind of thing. Okay. There's a time and place for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the G&T with um, coriander, but I love coriander. So fresh sprig of coriander and the aroma coming through for me. If you could describe yourselves individually as a gin cocktail, which one would you choose? This isn't a gin cocktail, but I would describe myself as a chai and ginger ale. There's something fiery and it's quite deceiving because it it packs a punch when you have those flavors it's so simple but there's so much depth so i'm going to say a chai and ginger ale so it's not technically a gin cocktail but it's something that just works so beautifully together oh how do i top that <laughs> um do you know, i'll probably say as it probably sounds like it's really basic but just as a gin and tonic mm-hmm. because it's Johnny, there's so much depth in the actual spirit itself. And she, she needs something to kind of transport it. That's how I kind of feel because it's like earlier on when we talk about growing up and all those influences and things happening and all those flavors that are combining together, I'd probably go with like a gin and tonic because it feels like there's so much about me and, and everybody else, but it's like that. It, it tells more about what I would probably want to showcase. It's just like, this is me growing up and this is what we want to put in a bottle and we want other people to experience it. How would you describe not just your flavors, but kind of the, the, the mood, the energy behind Crazy Gin? 
It's a gin for foodies. It's yeah. a gin for people that put flavor first. I would, I always say to people, forget it's a gin. Just try the drink. Do you like the drink? Forget the labels. Forget all of those things. Just try the liquid and then make up your mind. Because it's so easy when you see a label to have preconceived notions and ideas. And a lot of the time, they're not even your own. You've picked up your neighbor down the road, I don't drink gin, I've never liked it, or Mother's Ruin, and someone saying, I love a martini. Forget about, forget that background noise. It's for flavor forward people. Where can we purchase Crazy Gin? Um, you can buy it directly from us from um, crazyco.uk, um, Harvey Nichols, because they're one of our biggest champions, Master of Malt. Yes. And uh, if you could just share any social media that you would like. Um, for the company um, on Instagram, it is at Team Crazy Co. And if you would like to follow me, I would love that. Uh, my handle is at The Crazy Core. So that's C-R-A-Z-Y-K-A-U-R. And for myself, my uh, to follow myself, it would be the, at The Crazy Sing. So that's S-I-N-G-H. Thank you so much. This This is a pleasure. I mean, I learned so much. And it's always great to hear inspiring stories like yours of entrepreneurs and creators. I'm going to guess that it's not a very diverse field. It's, oh, I forgot to mention that. No, it's not. So so there's a organization called Be Inclusive Hospitality. Mm -hmm. And it's run by an incredible lady called Lorraine Copes. And she is championing race equity in hospitality, food and drink. And for the first, so in 2020, we won, um, we were voted in the Observer's top 50 things they love in food and drink in the world, which was an absolute oh honor because we're two ordinary people just had a vision to showcase the best of being British and the best of being Indian and showing what how powerful those flavors are when they come together. So a couple of months ago, we just won brand of the year 2023. But other than that, it's... It's been really difficult, especially not just being Asian in the industry, yeah. but actually creating a product that represents our own culture. Mm. I think without being kind of colonial. Yes, that's oh, a big hello. thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. These are flavors that you wouldn't have to explain to anyone in 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 the Eastern world, but in the Western world, it takes a lot of work. Mm. So we've had comments such as, "With the Lussie gin, is it a curry in a bottle?" And then we laugh. In hindsight, we're just like, but when you go to Starbucks and order a turmeric latte, are you thinking you're drinking a curry in a cup? Exactly. No, you're not. So it's about breaking the narrative. Also, we've we've listened to other podcasts and we've heard chefs say, we're a British restaurant. We do use spices from India and China, but I'm mainly we're British focused. But when it comes to drinks, as soon as you've got ingredients that are from India, it feels like people try to pigeonhole us and say, so you're an Indian drink for Indian food. And we're like, no, we're a British Indian spice gin. And the food option's up to you because yeah. it goes with a whole array of cuisines. Well, they, and they pigeonhole us with a synonymous beer that's associated with Indian restaurants. Yeah. So you're this of the drinks world. And we're like, no, <laughs> we you use spices across so many different cuisines. Why is it as soon as you put it into a spirit, it's like there's a malfunction? 
It's like, mm. no, 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 does not compute. You can't be in this. We get told you can't. It can't ever work in a, uh, in a martini. We've had people make it in martinis. We've had top bartenders have made it in martinis. We, we go to Indian restaurants. Ironically, at times, we're too Indian for an Indian restaurant which is quite a comical thing to hear uh, because they showcase Indian flavours or we'll go to, uh, we've been in Japanese restaurants, we've been in British restaurants, we've been in Italian. But when you go to the main, they'll say, you your flavour profile won't work. And when you look at their back bar, they got spirits from around the world. And it's yes. like, well, so ours can't work, but those do. And it's a very strange kind of environment. I mean, even like on samplings, there was an occasion where I don't even know how it switched into a, a conversation about my religion. Mm. And I was just handing out samples to the point where I was being mocked for my religion. And I'm in a space where I can't actually say anything because I'm representing our brand and yeah. in another place. And I just thought, how? I'm sure none of the other brands that were there that didn't look like me were questioned on does their religion sit well with this? And it's from somebody that was white. And I thought, this is just the strangest. And like, why would you have to go to that conversation? But it feels like it's an automatic reaction. That's why we love the opportunity to be able to talk about it and yeah. to get that message out there. Because in the last couple of months, I've been told about three or four times, I must have been a disappointment to my parents being an Asian female working in drinks. And I could put my hand on my heart. My mom's one of my biggest champions. Good. She absolutely loves what I, what I do. And I think because she's broken societal expectations by getting a divorce she wasn't going to stay in an abusive marriage it's about living life on your terms no one else is going to pay your bills period so you've got to do what's <laughs> what's going to work for you so for me i think i said it earlier it's more than the gin it not only takes you on a flavor packed journey but it's representing that we can make our own way we can make our own path and we don't need to conform what to what everyone else is doing around us and i just want if anyone is ever listening if you've got an idea i'm not saying be reckless and go for it take a calculated risk what's the worst that's going to happen oh what a time Big, big, big shout out to Paranjit and Bruce. And thanks for the two bottles of gin. Can't wait to try it out. Yes, I will definitely take you up on your invitation to come up to the Midlands for some Indian food and gin tasting. To all of you listening, there's one more full episode next week to mark the season one finale of Lick the Plate. And maybe an amusing treat might appear right around the corner before then. To keep up to date with Lick the Plate, be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Please rate Lick the Plate on the podcast platform of your choice. To all you Apple Podcast users, a lovely written review always goes a long way and will especially help attract new listeners. On social media, Lick the Plate can be followed on Instagram and TikTok at Lick the Plate Podcast. All information shared during this episode can be found in the episode description. This is your host, Cameron, reminding you to savor your memories and sip your curiosities. And if you decide to spill the tea, remember to serve it up with some good vibes on the side. See you next time for the season one finale of Lick the Plate.